from World Renew, the Office of Social Justice, and the Center for Public Dialogue of the Christian Reformed Church of North America, this is the Do Justice Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to a special sort of pre-season, yeah, pre-season episode of Do Justice. It's me, Chris, uh, and I'm here with my friend, Cindy. Hey buddy, how are you? Hey! Uh, hilarious about the Hey Buddy. That's my like standard greeting for everybody. I just say, Hey buddy, what's up? So he does. He walks yeah. around the office and says that all the time. <laughs> uh, Cindy's joining me. Uh, I'm super stoked to have you here, Cindy. It is, it's always fun to talk uh, with you. I always feel inspired and I always feel like I'm learning something. And I always feel like it's just, a great conversation when you and I get together, uh, mostly on your end. So I'm grateful for you to be here. And we're we're moving into this new season of the podcast where we want to talk about the move from, from charity to advocacy and why advocacy is important. Um, you know, we, we hear a lot of conversations about, you know, the justice work that people are doing. And oftentimes in chatting with them, you know, it becomes clear that you know, what they're doing is more sort of charity or relief, um, which is sort of a gateway to justice, a gateway to advocacy work. Right. Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about that and yeah. Welcome Cindy and Cindy just for, yeah, like maybe tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are and all that jazz. Cool. Um, I am a justice mobilizer for the Christian Reform Church in Canada. I work for the CRC and for World Renew and a number of other ministries supporting congregations in doing justice. Uh, that looks like a hundred different things. Um, maybe it's developing curriculum or facilitating workshops or coaching people in, in a congregation who are already doing their own justice work. Um, but yeah, it's a great job and it just means that I, I get to hang out and talk to people about justice all day, which is great because that is what, um, I studied a lot in school, which is what we're going to talk about later today. We're going to geek out a little bit. Yeah, we are. Uh, nothing wrong with geeking out. Um, but yeah, that's fair to say, right? Like that move, that charity to justice move or that charity to advocacy move is sometimes, I mean, Sometimes it just happens, but when we bring in some sort of intentional kind of focus on that, um, I think we learn kind of what the dynamic is between that move. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, like what's that move look like that charity to justice move? How do we, how do we wrap our heads around that? Yeah. Um, people often have conversations with me or with our justice and reconciliation team here in Canada, and they talk to us about the justice work that they're doing. And they're really excited to share it with us. And it becomes pretty clear as we're chatting with them that what they're talking about usually is, isn't actually doing justice as we would define it, mm. but actually doing charity or acts of service or relief work, you know, right. volunteering at a food bank or donating money to a women's shelter. Or I'm sure there are examples, like tons of examples from World Renew, sure. where, you know, they do relief work, where, you know, funding comes in and gets gets sent to a partner overseas where there's been a natural disaster or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's relief work. Um, that's charitable work. Um, not necessarily always doing justice. Right. And that's not a bad thing. Let's be very clear. It's not doing charity is not bad. Um, it's necessary very often, especially in emergency situations. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Like I, and, and listeners, you'll hear some conversations that we have or that I have later in the season with some of our guests. And we talk about, we talk a little bit about that move and we talk about like the stabilization that's needed in order to move into advocacy. Cause sometimes if there's an immediate need, right. We have to stabilize the situation in order, you know, for us to, well, a do the right thing, but also, you know, uh, give us the platform from which we can move into advocacy that we can move into, you know, the deep justice work. What, what do you think of that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's absolutely true. When it's done well, charity and relief actually leads to individual and community transformation. And that, and that stabilization comes before that, right? Yeah. You, you know, people need to be able to get to a point where they can just daily survive before we can begin addressing some of the larger systemic issues. Mm. Um, but what's really important um, is to look at those systemic reasons for why that charity is needed. Right. You know, if we're using the food bank as an example, well, why are people in your neighborhood experiencing food insecurity? Why do they need to access a food bank? And are there ways that we can address the situations of injustice mm. that are actually causing them to need to seek that solution instead of actually, you know, having the ability to, to flourish on their own without needing to rely on sort of some of these Band-Aid solutions? Mm. Um, and often... If you look deeply into it, there are structural reasons why there's not enough funding coming down through um, city structures or there's inherent systemic racism happening in neighborhoods where there are uh, lots of people of color or people of a lower socioeconomic um, standing. And there, there are real real significant reasons why this injustice happens and why charity is needed mm -hmm. in, in so many of these cases. Yeah. Uh, and so it's important to look at these longer term structural reasons and begin to address those so that charity is not forever required. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Like where, you know, we talk in, you know, in the charitable sector, I guess, or in the charitable world, like it would be great if, if we weren't needed. Right. Like, yeah, we and, want to work ourselves out of a job. And the advocacy piece is in, in a lot of ways that work, right? I think a lot of people listening to this have probably heard the word shalom, yeah. um, probably know that it is most commonly translated as peace, but it means so much more than that. So much more than simply the absence of conflict, right? right. Shalom, if you, if you do a word study on it, uh, it means peace, but completedness, it means welfare, it means harmony wholeness and flourishing like there's this this sense of like you are able to be everything you were created to be when you're in a community of shalom and in in your relationships with one another and with even the earth with the land is everything that god intended to be is happening and and yes it's aspirational sure <laughs> um but it's it's much more than you know what we get in, in our North American understanding of personal flourishing or like personal righteousness. You know, it extends to the welfare of the whole community, and and righteousness and relationships and peace with all people and all of creation. Yeah. Uh, and so, when we talk about these terms for justice for right relationship, you know, where there is justice, there will be shalom. That's how you get there. When you treat each other well, when you're in right relationship with each other and with your community, having the opportunity to flourish, there is shalom, right? Um, and however, <laughs> like I said, it's aspirational. 
we don't always get there. I, I don't always get there. I don't think I've gotten there today yet, you know? Right. right. <laughs> and so it is, it is a working towards thing that we do with, with, with the example of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And yet there are times when we come up against obstacles where we just cannot accomplish it on our own. Hmm. You know, going back to the food bank example, I don't know that I personally can ensure food security for my entire neighborhood. So what do I do? You likely can't. <laughs> Just, yeah. right? I do have a little garden out back. I can give people a lot of kale. Sure. There's a lot of kale. <laughs> but, um, you know, I there are limits to what I on my own can do, or even what my church community on our own can do in our neighborhood. And that's where advocacy comes in, mm. right? To really live into these biblical principles of justice and peace and, and shalom, communities of shalom, means that we sometimes have to speak up and bear witness to when we see injustice happening. Right. And so that's a way for us to live out the command of God and commands that we see through Jesus' example on earth to yeah. love and care for our neighbors. Give me a give me a taste. Like what does that look like then? Tell me what that looks like. Oh goodness. It's it's messy. Yep. <laughs> it's complicated. Um, it's relationship-based, right? Which is where some of the messiness comes from. But it means, you know, recognizing where there are opportunities to to stand alongside someone who's experiencing injustice, to help their voice be raised, um, to, you know, take little baby steps towards social change and transformation, um, and trying to come into a more just and righteous relationship with each other. So like very simply on like a neighborhood level, um, you know, where I live here in Hamilton, Ontario, um, I'm a part of a neighborhood association. That's Mm. another way that I'm a geek. Um, I go to monthly meetings (laughs) with my neighbors and we talk about like, what is, what's good? What is, what is, what is the best for the common good of our neighborhood? So recently there have been a lot of people living in tent encampments because there's a housing crisis in Hamilton, especially, but in all of North America right now. And so there have been a number of people living in the parks in our neighborhood in tents, and there's an encampment support network um, of folks who are social workers and healthcare professionals and just people who care, people who want to, to support and um, help out their neighbors because they're still our neighbors, even though they live in tents, right? They're still part of our neighborhood. And so um, there have been a lot of folks showing up when the police come to, to tear those encampments down and I'll be honest, evict people from their homes because right. <laughs> um, that is their home for that, that period of time. Um, and there's been a lot of people doing what they can to to provide some charitable relief, you know, providing tents when they get taken away, providing sleeping bags, um, providing food, providing support. Um, but also a lot of people addressing that system of injustice, right? Mm-hmm. Where where why why is are there so many houseless people yeah. in Hamilton right now? So people delegating to city hall demanding that the city spend more money on on affordable housing and expand shelter spaces, safe shelter spaces, so that right. people can have access to a safe place to stay at night, but somewhere that's safer than, than a tent. Cause right now there aren't a lot of places safer for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then advocacy too, right. Uh, speaking up to city hall, but also writing letters and delegating to, to your members of parliament, to your, your local representatives who have the ability to impact the way that federal funding is spent on housing, mm-hmm. the way that, um, <laughs> 
let's be honest, bylaw comes down in, in some of our cities and provinces around like who is able to actually find a home in a tent in a park because some of the reasons some of the huge obstacles to this are just that like someone who's never even considered being homeless made a rule right and now police have to enforce that right and so it's it's all of these things working together to try to care for our neighbors yeah wow like it's I, i think what you're touching on there and I, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of people too, uh, on similar issues, even talking about encampments. Um, you know, I have friends in Toronto who are frontline on some of this stuff. And it's like, we're treating the encampments like the problem the the, the encampments are not the problem. Mm-hmm. It's the symptom of the systemic issues like lack of affordable housing or lack of uh, mental health support, whatever it mm-hmm. is. Right. Yeah. Those are the real issues. And how do we address those? Yeah. Yeah. We can keep giving out tents and we do until there's until there's a better solution. But there needs to be a better solution. There needs to be safety and security and shalom for our neighbors living in encampments. Yeah. So, okay, how do we so then how do we hold charity justice and advocacy specific to this season as our listeners are listening to these conversations and to these upcoming episodes of the podcast you know how, how can we hold these things yeah they i would say they're interconnected i think a lot of people think of them as being you know on a spectrum op- opposing each other you know but they they are all part of us working towards god's shalom in the world working towards a world of good news of like real gospel good news where there is enough for all in the world. And so that means, yeah, charity, that means donating to a food bank when people need it, but it means addressing the injustice, addressing why there's food insecurity or why there's housing insecurity um, in your neighborhoods and advocacy as well. You know, when sometimes you can address, address those issues of injustice on your own or as a church community, but sometimes you don't have the power to do that on your own. Sometimes you do need to speak up and bear witness and use the influence that you have Mm. to meet with your MP, to meet with your senators or representatives, to meet with the people who can make the difference and who can um, speak out about that stuff and change federal policies or provincial or state policies on these things. And I'll just put a little quick um, plug in here. We do have a workshop called Faith in Action and it's about practicing biblical advocacy. It's practicing everything we just said. Another thing we can put in the show notes. It's so fun. Um, I was, I was going to ask you, I go, is there a way, Cindy, that people could learn about biblical advocacy that you know of? That you've been working on a workshop for, workshop for two years on this that we could bring to our audience? Yes. Yes, yeah. there is, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, buddy. I mean, it's good to be with you. Hey, buddy. It's good to be with you. It's good to talk. It's good to be inspired. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the work that you do. And I'm glad you're on our team. That's all I can say. I really am. Like it's, it's a privilege to, to get to have these conversations. Um, yeah. And folks listening, like we hope that the next season is going to be inspiring, that we're going to have some conversations that will touch on, you know, the things that you're passionate about. Um, and even if they're not directly linked up to the things that you're passionate about, that you'll get some tools and ways 
to be inspired, to move along mm-hmm. the continuum and get involved in advocacy work. That's that's our hope. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm just grateful for you, Cindy. Thanks for joining us and thanks for hanging out you. with me. And yeah, I learned a lot and I always appreciate you. So check it out. Do Justice, season four, coming at you. Coming for you. The Do Justice podcast is produced and edited by World Renew in partnership with the Office of Social Justice and Center for Public Dialogue of the Christian Reformed Church of North America. Our opening theme was written by Quetzal Kantla. Transitions provided by Valentin Sosnitsky. Until next time, remember that the Lord is righteous, he loves justice, and the upright will see his face. Bye. Uh, hopefully they don't add the bye. Bye. <laughs> bye, uh, friends. Bye, friend. That was dope.